Need a few minutes to reset? Great Minds is a podcast from SBS that guides you through different meditation styles from around the world. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The Playlist with Ben and Fiona. This felt like something pretty extraordinary and about as cinematic as TV can get. Welcome to The Playlist, where we talk about movies and TV shows that are worth your time. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS. And I'm joined by my co-host, SBS and SBS Viceland Channel Manager, Ben Nguyen. Hey, Ben. Hi, Fiona. Fiona, I have to, first of all, congratulate you on your new expanded role as Head of Editorial at SBS On Demand. Thank you. Very exciting. It is. Uh, You'll be looking after the curation of our on-demand service. It's uh, very you. Oh, look, thanks. I'm never not telling people what to watch. But, um, (laughs) yes, with with a team of very experienced people in that department. So, yes, really looking forward to it. Thank you. And, and more podcasting, I'm hoping, as well. Speaking of podcasting, I know that you're soaring up the charts with Eyes on Gilead. Yes, The Handmaid's Tale is amazing this season. And, yes, we recap every episode in Eyes on Gilead. And it's such a good season of Handmaid's. So, yes, people are finding it. So that's fantastic. Well, I'm glad that we uh, got your what have you been watching out of the way. <laughs> First of all... Lots um, and lots of Handmaid's. I, I like to think of Eyes on Gilead as pretty much your super group. And this is your experimental side project that I'm involved in. So, you know, I'm, I'm just proud to be on your little side hustle. <laughs> Thanks. So, you know, this is where try things out, you know, throw it on the ground, see if the cat can play with it. Well, let's see. We've got a lot to play with this week. On the playlist, we take a walk down the New York City catwalk with Ewan McGregor in Netflix's new series on fashion designer Halston and take a trip on the Underground Railroad in Barry Jenkins' new adaptation of the 2016 novel for Amazon. And we offer up SPS OD picks. It's a lot. Let's do it. Let's get into it. The New York City of the 1970s, a world of decadence, drug use and disco, is a familiar one. But to that list, we can also add designers. And Uber producer Ryan Murphy has paired up with star Ewan McGregor to tell the story of Roy Halston Froick. That's a Halston. Better known simply as Halston. And his rise from a small child in Iowa creating hats for his mother to creating hats for Jackie Kennedy to launching his own line and dressing muses like Liza Minnelli. Let's hear of it. My wife, she thinks you're a genius. I think that's a dangerous word. I think what you call yourself a genius, you stop growing. Halston for you today. Halston for you every day. Austin for your world. Ron, I know you. The one thing you don't know how to do is stop. Halston, listen to me. You're obsessing over all the wrong things. There are two things that you'll never have. My talent and my name. You are out of control. Here's my offer. You fuck off. And you fuck off. And you, and you, and you, you can all fuck off. This is very much classic biopic territory, and I have to admit, I wasn't aware of Halston before this series. Fee, you're much more of a fashionista than I am. So firstly, how much did you know about him going in? And secondly, would you wear his clothes? 
Well, uh, I knew the name and I knew his association with Studio 54 and, like, the look of the 70s. Mm. Um, I did not know that he basically invented ultra suede and the shirt dress in ultra suede. I have a shirt dress in ultra suede. Ooh. It's not a horse I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a knockoff. It was quite a popular look. But <laughs> totally know the, the name and... Part of the show is how he sold his name on, you know, he was one of the first of the designers to sell the brand and can't tell you how many people say the name Halston in this <laughs> show, but, uh, yeah, his brand was ubiquitous in the 70s. Yeah, so I knew that much. Didn't yeah. really know his personal story. Yeah, there's a nice bit uh, early on where he's talking about one of his inspirations being Ralph Lipschitz, uh, <laughs> who um, obviously sort of we all now know as Ralph Lauren and uh, how he had sort of pitched his own line into Bloomingdale's and this serves as the inspiration for Halston to segue from hats only business, which by the late 1960s was not so attractive anymore, into a sort of a full fashion designer. Brand. Brand, yes. <laughs> so what did you think of the show? Mm. Well, on all of those levels, I was all in. I love a fashion story. I love a fashion mm. doc. Um, yeah, just all about that. But The era. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Ewan McGregor is the star as well. Bit of a Ewan fan. But um, mm. it, like it's a biopic yeah. and it's it follows all the tropes of a biopic, the ones yeah. that I don't care for. It's very <laughs> one to miss a few about his childhood. You mentioned that yeah. kind of gauzy flashback. Um, yeah. Yeah, he made a hat for his mother to... You know, clearly it was an abusive household, but he made a feather hat for his mum and that <laughs> explains him, maybe. <laughs> uh, it's a Ryan, it's of the Ryan Murphy stable, as you said. And his shows for Netflix of late have not been all that good. No. And I would... This one is better. Like, it's a very camp biopic, but it it doesn't have the depth that it also needs for the story, you know, the top and tail of his entire evolution up to his death, you know, in, in the 80s. So it, I don't know, I, I tapped out at episode three, I have to say, I haven't, I didn't finish. Yeah, it's a very standard treatment of this material, I think, um, very by the numbers, mm. I think. Um, and like you say, you know, I think some of the Netflix shows that Ryan Murphy has done, um, The Politician, uh, Hollywood, Hollywood. Uh, Nurse Ratchet. Um, I didn't even watch that one. Yes. Yeah, I like have have sort of failed to to really catch on. The prom. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> um, you know, I think if you go in with low expectations, <laughs> yeah. just wanting, I guess, sort of for something that that sort of takes you through that era and has little nods to some of the the figures of that period in time. Yeah. I mean, um, the the Liza Minnelli, I don't think captures her particularly well? I think she was good playing a young Liza. Yeah. Um, and there's a great sequence she's introduced singing Liza with a Z. Mm. And, um, yeah, that's fun. I've never seen it sung that way. Yeah, she she is very good, I think, but, um, yeah, she's not in it. Well, she does steal the show <laughs> when <laughs> she's in those scenes. But, uh, see, I didn't even know that Halston did the outfits that you yeah. know, she's known for, yeah. for, the Liza with a Z stuff in the 70s. But that was... Interesting. It was. Um, yeah. Again, I think some of that impersonation of, of famous figures, um, that can be very challenging for these kind of biopics to get right because, yeah. you know, they're so strongly embedded in our minds. So there, there is a sort of feeling of pale imitation, I think, around this show. Mm -hmm. Part of 
what I, what has troubled me about Ryan Murphy's shows and a lot of other people, let's face it, but we're talking about his stuff here. He produced, he executive produced and co-wrote. He didn't direct here, but it has all his hallmarks, so <laughs> I blame him. Um, like it shows a scene in Studio 54 where he walks in and it's this, wow, like this decadent club. It doesn't feel like it. Like he's reacting as if it is, but it's not shot like it is. Mm. And episode three, I think it is, I think it's the one I finished on, but uh, it it shows a international battle of fashion that happened at the Palace of Versailles French designers versus American designers and it was this big defining moment. It's not shot like a big defining moment. It's shot like he's a creep and here's some dresses. It just doesn't have that gravitas that it needs to, to for you to buy into it. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and the prom had that all over. Like that had a dance sequences that just you weren't didn't feel part of and it just didn't have that movement and flair that... I don't know, I wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's sort of, you know, I, I think getting just a bit of uh, production line feel to these shows. Mm. But, um, I mean, Ewan, I think, is an actor who's always able to bring some vulnerability, even to abrasive, dislikable characters. Yeah. And I, I think he, he is well cast here. He has a sort of relationship that um, plays out interestingly on screen. Yeah, I, I do think so too. Um, but I, I never shook that it was you and McGregor playing Halston. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and that normally I can like he he can you know disappear into the roles a little bit. But I never really lost sight of this is you and McGregor being Roy Halston. Yeah, true. I did uh, quite enjoy Rory Culkin plays Halston's assistant designer, Joel Schumacher, who film fans would know segued into a very successful film directing career. So here we get his sort of early New York designer days with his drug habit. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So, you know, that was a nice little sidebar. Yeah. Yes, it's that, Joel Schumacher. (laughs) Yes. But, yeah, I think otherwise a bit of a misfire. Yeah, it's fine to be second screening (laughs) while you're watching it. And, like, the fashion stuff is good, as it needs to be. Like, there is a commitment. Like, the frocks look fantastic. But, yeah, eh, Yeah. it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, So that is Halston and all (laughs) episodes are streaming now on Netflix. So... You know, we've talked about Ryan Murphy having a bit of a look and a style and a, a stable, I guess, of output. Um, something completely different. Um, Barry Jenkins, filmmaker, director, known for beautiful films, Moonlight, mm. If Bill Street Could Talk, has moved to the television medium with a 10-part series for Amazon, The Underground Railroad. Do you want to tell us about that, Ben? Yes. Well... Attempts to represent the history and horrors of slavery face many of the same challenges as attempts to represent the Holocaust. How can you possibly capture the reality of human cruelty and suffering in a way that doesn't somehow diminish or trivialise it, particularly if you're trying to meet the expectations required of entertainment? Colson Whitehead's 2016 novel approached this by combining realism with allegory and turning the figurative underground railroad that provided passage for escaped slaves through secret routes and safe houses into a literal series of train tunnels that linked the south to the north. 
The television adaptation comes from Barry Jenkins, the director of Oscar winner Moonlight. Tuso Mbedu brings to life Cora, a young woman traumatised by the abandonment of her mother who fled the plantation on which she had been born. Aaron Pierre is Caesar with some connections to the railroad who coaxes Cora to attempt an escape. And Joel Edgerton is Ridgeway, an obsessive slave catcher who sets off to hunt them down alongside a deadly serious black child Homer, played by Chase Dillon. Let's hear a bit. Where do they go? The ones that run away and never return. There's nothing here but suffering. Pain and suffering. It is time to go. Girl in that bulletin is wanted for the murder of a child. Man lost my mom. Then me. Ain't no way he ever given up on finding me. There's anger in you. It'll fuel you, yes, but. What's the worst kind of fuel? The worst kind. Savagery a man is capable of when he believes his cause to be just. V, I have to admit, I was turned off this by the bland title and some very pedestrian, yet all important in the streaming era, key art that Amazon used. Mm. And yet I was immediately gripped once I started watching it. This felt like something pretty extraordinary and about as cinematic as TV can get from the sound design through to the photography. What did you think? Yeah, so he makes a beautiful image, (laughs) no matter what it is, but he just has this, like, this is, you know, about slavery and escaping slavery and, you know, horrendous circumstances and efforts to gain freedom and it's beautiful at the same time. Like, he can craft an image and he has an amazing team behind him. Yeah, he just has a way of shooting that always finds the magic hour and the magic light. And that is also in his approach to stories like this, which are so dark. He doesn't linger in the pain and in the trauma and the, you know, the black pain. It's about the effort to be free. And, you know, the, the perspective is so important because there's a lot of movies about this era that focus on the trauma and it's horrendous but it's such a balance to get right on how much of something you show and for what audience it's for and what's Mm. the intention of just staying in those scenes you know what I mean yeah 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 there is an important distinction here in that it doesn't (laughs) it's about the same thing but it's I want to say it's a subtle change but it's not subtle like it's a really significant change and it it's all the better for it, I think. Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that the focus here is definitely on survival, mm. which is such a core innate human instinct and such a part of this story. You know, it certainly doesn't shy away from the yeah. horrors of the era and there's there's a death scene in the first episode yeah. that is sort of one of the most intense viewing experiences that I've had for a long time. Yeah and serves as a real trigger for the main characters to um, to plan their escape. Sort of from the, the first two episodes which I've screened, I think what's really interested me as well is there's quite an aesthetic change even between the two and the visuals and the pacing of the first episode, which really 
intensely bring that plantation life to life sort of switches to sort of a South Carolina city environment in the second episode where we go down a very dark, again, path of things like forced sterilizations. And I guess sort of what makes this stand out is that we're taking all these elements of history, but then it does sort of take it somewhere that sits outside of realism, mm. you know, to the point where, you know, in this there are actual steam trains yeah. under the ground sort of taking you from A to B. But it it feels very real and it feels very raw. Yeah. I mean, there is a risk, of course, that people might take this as history that there was literally a train. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, look, look it up if you're not <laughs> aware of it. It's, but, yeah, it's poetic and, um, yeah, allegorical here. But um, this struck me. As compared to, I don't, did you see Antebellum last year? No. With Janelle Monáe, and for me, that was kind of the film that I'm saying this is not in that it really lingered in the black pain, and that was a, an important part of the story. But as I was watching it, and it, it was like they could play this in the Trump White House and enjoy it. Do you know, mm. like it, it's just like, oh, it's such a fine line. Mm. It's just who is who are you making a film for, and you need to be really careful. Um, and the you know, Antebellum had a point to it that it was re-traumatizing Black Americans in contemporary America, but it took its sweet time to get there, and it it had lost me by the time it made its point. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I think Barry Jenkins has clearly been given a lot of creative freedom here, yeah. and the honesty with which he's dealing with this subject matter and how devoted he is to that is maybe what sort of helps separate this from some other attempts in, yeah. in to tell similar stories. And I, and I was fascinated to read that at one point he halted production because he was just inspired looking around his set and connecting with his ancestors because uh, just of the way that that everyone was dressed and costumed and mm. and then went and shot like an extended short film off the cuff to speak to that experience sort of and, and sort of pausing the production of the show which is just extraordinary that someone was would be given that level of creative freedom mm. um yeah normally like you got your shoot days, yeah, you got your yeah. timelines, and yeah, but it's free reign, clearly. Yeah, and I think you know that hasn't sort of taken this into a self-indulgent right. place. I, I, I think it's it's a very compelling drama. Yeah, and amazing performances too. And he offered support for the cast as well. You know, importantly because black actors, particularly, they get cast in a lot of roles like this. That you know, like there are, like I said, there are so many movies, and it's much like. Indigenous actors in Australia, you know, films about the colonial era are traumatic and actors being asked to play these roles that, you know, have a deep connection to them. Like they are people who walk in the world as well. And yeah. it's, they're professionals, mm. but there's also that element as well. And so Jennifer Kent actually making The Nightingale offered a similar um, resource to her cast as should be an option anyway, just as a professional, you know, yeah. environment. Uh, but clearly not all directors do. But anyway, just wanted to make that point that, yeah, it's this film is, of course, coming out at a time, Black Lives Matter movement, when this was made and is coming out, and it's never been 
a good time, mm. <laughs> you know, for black Americans, let's face it, that it's in conversation with the moment and it's looking at the scars of slavery and the way scabs are picked at, you know, by horrendous compounding administrations. But uh, it's very much in conversation with the moment and it's beautiful in the way it's poetically having that conversation with the audience. Yeah, so I really would recommend that people don't get turned off by the kind of cheap paperback style key art. <laughs> as, as you really I, liked that key art, didn't as, you? As I was. Mm. Uh, also, it's hard to binge. Like all the episodes are there, but you do need a bit of breathing space, I did, I think. But um, mm. yeah. Well, as many people do for Handmaids. As, well, this is true, <laughs> yes. As, as you're familiar with, I would uh, highly recommend this. So that's... The Underground Railroad, out now on Amazon Prime. All right. Well, we've done a whole lot of what we've been watching and I haven't watched much else. So, (laughs) Ben, have you got a suggestion for something to watch at SBS On Demand? Yes. I want to give a shout-out to the third season of Shrill that's um, now all out on SBS On Demand. So for Shrill lovers, get excited so this is this series stars Eddie Bryant as Annie Easton, and we've had two seasons so far of her working through life in Portland. And the last season ended with a breakup. So she's been through a breakup. She's back on the dating scene. So that's very exciting for her. And Lolly Adafope, who plays Fran, her best friend, and who also was a memorable Taskmaster contestant. She's great. And I think sort of she has become one of the the breakouts of this series mm. um, in the US. She's a British comedian. Yes, she, she's uh, she again shines. And this sadly is the final season of what has been a very enjoyable sort of probably maybe slightly sort of below the radar show, but um, but all three seasons are sitting there now on on OD for for newcomers to get enraptured by. Yeah, get in there. And, like, we've talked some heavy stuff today. I'm always watching heavy stuff with Handmaids. But, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a good mood breaker. And, it, yeah. like, it, it's great to live in this world and, um, you know, walk in her shoes. It's, it, yeah, it, I think it is a short series. You know, it's, it's only three seri- seasons. But, yeah, I, th- I think it will have a long legacy. Do you know what I mean? I think people will find it um, for years to come and, and look back to Shrill as, like, that was that was a goodie. Yes, it is a goodie and it's all on SBS On Demand now and it will be playing out on SBS Viceland from June 3rd. Excellent. Well, that's it for our show. So make sure you subscribe to SBS The Playlist wherever you get your podcasts and give us a lot of stars and leave a nice review because it helps people to find us. And you can let us know what you thought of the movies and TV shows we discussed on Facebook or Twitter at SBS Movies. And I'm on Twitter at Ben TV. And I'm on Twitter at Anything But Fifi. And the playlist is produced by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Hey.